Welcome to the Remnant by Reclaim 611. I am Paula. And I'm Carrie. And we are back together again mm-hmm. for another segment. So good to have you with us again, Carrie. I just, you know, it just feels so good when you are across the table. I know. Me. When we're alone, it's just lonely it's not the same it's not the same it's not the same so we are happy happy to be back in the studio once again and we have some very very special guests today and that we've been trying to get here for six months which we were discussing yes yes (laughs) it was my fault it it wasn't covid (laughs) it was pregnancies right yeah it wasn't my pregnancy (laughs) wasn't mine either I actually, mean, actually I guess all fingers point. Yes, yes, your wife <laughs> and me. There were me. two pregnancies involved. Yeah. <laughs> but we're here, and we have healthy babies that have arrived. So now we can yeah. get together. That's awesome. Healthy babies that have arrived, and it wasn't COVID-related. Mm-hmm. So Carrie normally has a story. I know, but... I'm, for our listeners. I kind of think I'm not the one that gets to tell the story. You're not the one? I don't know, because she just reminded me of a story. I forgot how we got connected so we might need to let her tell a story. And who is she? Um, let's let her introduce herself. Because <laughs> she's got a big girl voice. Okay. Well, hello. Thanks, ladies, for having us. Uh, my name is Sandy Storm. I'm an author, a speaker, and an abolitionist. And I'm serving right now with Deliver Fund as the Director of Strategic Impact. And I have with me today our Executive Vice President, Jeremy Mayhew. So if I can let him say hi and introduce himself as well. Yeah, absolutely. Jeremy Mayhew, I'm the uh, co-founder of Deliver Fund. And so I've been uh, getting engaged in this fight for about the last six years. And uh, it's always a learning process, but it's uh, it's an honor to be part of this team and uh, be in this fight. Appreciate you guys having us mm-hmm. on. And Thank the, you. The Thank way you I, the way I met Carrie, um, a mutual friend of ours who I have heard her interview on your podcast on The Remnant as well, Dr. Tommy Grover, who is a dear, sweet friend. Um, yes, she is. She recommended one day that I reach out to the Carries. There were two Carries at the time. And um, after I received that information from Tommy, I had lunch with a, a sweet survivor sister. And during that lunch, my survivor sister also gave me your card as well, Carrie. And so it was definitely a couple nudges in the right direction. And then we've just been friends ever since. That was several years ago. It was several years ago. I feel like I've held almost all of your kids. (laughs) I think you have. I (laughs) think just the last one. Not the newest one. Yeah, Yeah, that's okay, though. We got time. We got time. (laughs) I know. It was such... um, I remember it was the other Carrie. I think you guys... She called you... Or you called her that day, and she was like, "You're never gonna, for, you're never gonna believe this." Like so. Anyway, it's been so sweet, and then we've been at a conference together mm-hmm. before, and um, I have learned so much from Sandy. And man, I know this is not the platform where we're gonna get into your full story, even though I hope you, you know, as she said, she's a survivor and an amazing, amazing woman. Um, so, and you can actually, well, at the end, we'll talk about where they can find your your. Cool. Um, your stories and where they can find you on YouTube because it's you don't want to you don't want to miss it. It's awesome. All right, so we have met Sandy and Jeremy. So can you tell us either one of you tell us a little bit about Deliver Fund? <laughs> I guess they get the uh, mic because I'm the senior person. That's right. So <laughs> by, by default, um, although Sandy is a pretty good ambassador and can say it pretty well, but. Um, I would just tell you that from my standpoint, you know, my career was based in doing counterterrorism 
primarily, right, as a Navy SEAL, then working as a contractor through the intelligence services uh, for our country. And so doing a lot of this stuff overseas based on really counterterrorism and involved in some illicit markets there, clearly. And what we saw overseas, especially Nick, uh, former CIA and former pararescueman for the Air Force, you know, in his career doing the, the same stuff, saw that there was really no bucket to put intelligence specific to human trafficking in. And so it kind of uh, turned a light on for us that we should take a look and figure out how to solve this problem. And mainly we were looking overseas at the time, but then we started to realize what the problem looked like here in the United States. And also that it, it's not only the American dollar that drives this market around the world, but it's also the American male. And so if you really want to fight that around the world, you need to fight it here um, specifically and, and put some resources behind it. And so in talking to law enforcement, we really figured out that they have a huge gap in not only how they collect intelligence, but also just the tools and the, and the capabilities of one training. There's this, you know, we, we realized that very quickly the, the money that is spent um, with your tax dollars it goes for guns, drugs, and terrorism and, you know, national security type of things. But somehow as a society, we haven't put human trafficking on that pedestal. Or if we have to a point, we've got a few things that you probably know, we've got a few things passed through different, you know, state or, or federal legislation, but then those programs don't even get funded. Like we're not even putting our real resources behind this. But there was something that we could do very quickly and easily to raise that risk in the market and uh, and equip law enforcement with what they needed to be able to be successful. Because at the end of the day, it is law enforcement who has the responsibility and the and the job of not only rescuing victims um, directly out of this, but also and equally or more importantly too, is getting their trafficker uh, arrested and and prosecuted so that they don't have any victims or have any potential victims in the future. So. Gotcha. Wow. That's, it's intense. Like did you guys. Did I just drop a bomb yeah, on this table? I don't yeah, know. We, we, got, we got quiet. <laughs> anyway, like. you, you guys were talking girl talk, all fun and laughing, and just, you let me no. talk, and I just brought it down a notch. No, this is what we need. Yeah, no, yeah. we're here to talk about the real realities. We, we, we can of, go back to talking about our kids. No. And, yeah, it's more fun for all of us. Yeah. No, I mean, you, when it comes down to, you know, we talk about rescue, you know, organizations that are more rescue and then recovery and rehabilitation and things like that. And what I'm hearing is you're primarily kind of rescue intelligence. Is that correct? Or how would you put yourself in a bucket? I, hmm. I both love and hate buckets. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I think uh, it was so interesting when we first started and people come up to be like, well, I just really want to like invest in the prevention side. And I was like, I kind of had my own blinders on. I'm like, well, you know what we really do is we go after the trafficker. That's what we do. And uh, we go after that bad guy. But as you start to realize um, a little bit more about the market and how you're affecting it and how you're coming at it from all these different ways, I really call it a 360 degree approach is what we, we focus on now. And we've expanded that out over those six years too. So really we're focused on the data and helping law enforcement on the cyber side, be able to identify where this is happening you know, and as you guys know, like our headquarters in, is in the old backpage, uh, dot com. I know. So explain right? that to the listeners a little bit. I wanted to, well, I wanted to go. So backpage.com was like the largest purveyor of sex advertising, right? I mean, so what looks like 
an escort ad, which is actually most of those were at a minimum, probably prostitution, right? We call that. Um, but a lot of those were human trafficking and some of those were trafficking of minors. And so there was no age verification, no identity, identity verification. And they were doing, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars of business with people taking like a one to $4 advertisement on there. And this was based here in Dallas. Right. And so, um, over the years they started to make themselves a little bit more of a target and, um, three different states attorney generals got involved to include Texas, obviously with general Paxson, the FBI got involved, Homeland security was involved. So we, we were providing intelligence to all those different authorities. Mm-hmm. And, and so it was pretty cool to see them get taken down. And ultimately, uh, believe it or not, like money, like uh, money fraud was probably their bigger charge because the government takes that more serious than human trafficking, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, that's part of why they got taken down. And so, uh, they're still awaiting sentence. The uh, owners of that are awaiting sentence, I believe, in in uh, August of this year, I think. Oh, wow. But <clears throat> that building obviously became vacant. And since we felt like we had a pretty significant part in helping that happen, uh, we also wanted to like do just the ultimate turn in darkness to light. And mm-hmm. and from that very space where previously they were selling kids for sex online, uh, now we train law enforcement to go after the people that would do that kind of stuff. So it's so amazing. Whenever I do lectures, I always talk about Backpage and how who's there now. Yeah. Like, so if you ever heard of Deliver Fund, <laughs> they're fighting trafficking and right where they were yeah. selling human beings online and, and now they are it, recovering. Yeah. And, um, and I just for the audience, like we did sanitize the place. <laughs> right? we, we, they remodeled it and uh, it's all new carpet, new windows, and or new lines on the windows and everything. So it's, it's a really great spot. And we, we didn't take the entirety of what they had there. I mean, it was a big, big business, but we took a portion of one floor and that's our, that's our national headquarters. And so that is where we, we uh, usually bring law enforcement in to do the in-person training, um, which is, which is pretty cool. So and I don't even remember what the first part of your question was that you asked me now. So. No, I was just, I, I kept thinking. what is Deliver Fund? What is yeah. Deliver Fund? Well, that's, that's <laughs> it. So we do. Yeah. So the back to the 360 degree approach, right? Because we know that there's, there's organizations out there that do a really good job on the um, rehabilitation side, right? And that's not our forte mm-hmm. really at all. However, um, Sandy can talk about the program that she's developing that kind of is the next level for that. Like uh, once they've already gone through to get stable, she's got a really cool program. She's working on that. But other than that, we focus, we do focus on the trafficker, but in doing that, you're also going to catch some of the demand side up in that. And you're also going to free the victims and you're going to, you're going to raise the risk in that illicit market so that those guys who are committing that crime, which is the storefront, they, really think twice about being in that business because you start to hold them accountable and, and, uh, prosecute them successfully. And so like, that's, uh, you know, that, that's, that's part of it. There's, you know, I should probably let you guys ask more questions. So just me talking, Um, but the other piece that I think is really, really important is, you know, besides training law enforcement and prosecutors Mm -hmm. is actually, um, the problem has gotten so big that we actually can't at this point arrest our way out of this problem. Wow. Mm. And so we're actively going down other roads to 
not allow human traffickers to use everything from um, an Uber or a Lyft or get a plane ticket, um, rent a hotel room. So we're using our intelligence and our data to be able to identify human trafficking activity within all those different industries and give those businesses a real um, you know, market-driven reason to not allow these people to use their, their uh, industries. So That's amazing. Mm-hmm. And so needed. It is needed. It's needed for a lot of reasons. When we are, when we work with law enforcement to arrest a trafficker, that case is going to be built on data. If they're working with Deliver Fund, they're going to have an open and shut case. Either you sent the text to this victim, sent them to this location, the money was transferred to your phone, to your account, or you didn't. These are your phone numbers listed in your name. And, and on the stand, it's very difficult for a trafficker to defend themselves against the data. Mm-hmm. So the data-driven cases can help prevent a victim being re-victimized by having to tell their story on the stand. It can help the victims to feel that they truly are free because they're traffickers in prison. I've been trafficked by more people than I can count. Nobody was held accountable for, for what happened to me. So there's, there are still traffickers out there that could decide that they want to make my life difficult today because they were never held accountable. Mm. Um, and and the, the survivors that I've worked with who have had that vengeance, who have seen justice in their cases, they have a, a little easier pathway to freedom because they have a little more room to breathe. And then as we're helping um, to complicate life for traffickers, we are making it an undesirable business move for them. So they're criminals, right? Traffickers are criminals. We're not going to sugarcoat it. (laughs) They are people that will commit crimes. And if we can drive them to another criminal avenue where law enforcement's properly trained to hunt them and arrest them and hold them accountable for those crimes, like, would you rather have your daughter stolen or your car stolen? You think it's easier for a cop to find a stolen car than it is to find your stolen daughter? And especially if your daughter has been stolen by somebody that has convinced her that she wanted to leave with them. So this uh, just making life difficult for them so it's not a desirable business move, I think is a really great way to combat the issue of trafficking and the brilliant minds that I get to work with every day. (laughs) I mean, Jeremy is absolutely brilliant. Nick, the the co-founder and CEO, um, he is former CIA, former pararescue with the the um, Air Force, and this is the team that I work with, Navy SEALs, NSA, FBI, um, really high-level people that understand how justice works through the court system. They understand how, how justice works, and we're able to offer training to law enforcement that is outside of anything that they would be able to have um, through their department. This is a higher-level training, everything from not just the using the technology tools that we've built, not just in how to build those cases, but we even do tactical training. We do role-playing with them as survivors, um, helping the law enforcement agents to practice how they're going to talk to a victim on an operation. And then we can offer them that support on the live operations as well. So um, there's a lot of different ways that we're affecting this uh, fight and that we're delivering action is one of our Um, one of our hashtags. And then um, what I'm most excited about, though, is I just like to come to work every day in a place where we're building our kingdom in the skulls of our enemies and we're crushing evil every day. Mm, I love it. Crushing evil, bringing light into darkness. I have a question. (laughs) So how does law enforcement 
receive your training? Do they have to say, hey, I want to sign up for this training, or do you all go out and recruit and say these are the services that we offer? How does that happen? When we started, we actually worked quite a bit with Houston, and I had to go in there, and these guys had already developed their task force, and uh, some people made some introductions, and so I went and talked to the, the sergeant that was running it, and I said, hey, we're going to run this training class. Actually, actually, how it initially started is we did um, an operation around the Super Bowl there, and we had some introductions with like the Homeland Security guy, the FBI guy, and the HPD guy, and we're like, okay, we're going to be doing this. We're going to send you a bunch of information, and then we did. We we produced forty three intelligence reports on trafficking within like less than two weeks, and and uh, with just our small team there that we had. And it went to law enforcement, and it sat on a pile somewhere. Yeah. And it didn't really, they didn't really have the bandwidth one to deal with it, and two to really understand how that intelligence was collected, and 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 the accuracy of it, right? And so it just went in their tip pile, basically. Even though we had tried to make those prearrangements, and so we realized very quickly, like we need to have a little bit, we need to have a training so that these guys know one how to collect their own in intelligence. And then two, if we pass them something, the validity of it and accuracy of it so that they have something they can action on and action on quickly. And so, um, you know, for, for law enforcement, we can't just give them a case and then they just go action. They have to, they have to turn that into evidence. It's intelligence, you know, if it's actionable, but they have to be able to, the, the term is actually parallel construct. Uh, law enforcement has to be able to parallel construct that case so that they can go, um, so it's basically evidence so they can get a warrant so they can go make an arrest. And so the really cool thing about the training that we do is it went from like where law enforcement was taken, like the really good law enforcement guys were taking minimum three weeks to build a good human trafficking case. If they even knew the starting point of where to, start on pulling some threads, right? Because a lot of this is happening online and they don't necessarily have the, the tools to find that starting point. And so from three weeks in this class, we take it down to where just in a matter of hours, they're able to like build that case. Wow. And to that point, we actually have had this happen a bunch of times, but we were running a class, uh, one of the first classes and uh, the a guy from the sheriff's department in Santa Barbara had come to the class and we we're teaching them how to use these tools in the first couple of days. And he, uh, he goes, Hey, I, I built this case. And we're like, yeah, well, you know, you know what you do next, right? <laughs> like, so he goes to his hotel room that night, files uh, a warrant. The sheriff's department arrests the guy the next day um, in Santa Barbara. And it turns out the girl had just turned 18. So because they had all of the data from him advertising her over the past year, it was an easy human trafficking case versus like having to go through is like, dude, was she doing this by choice or, you know, like all the other questions that you have to ask once they're not a minor. So um, both the sheriff and him were just like, this is amazing. Like we were able to do this in just like literally hours. Plus we knew all the, we knew all the answers to the questions before we answered, asked the questions. Right. So wow. <clears throat> that's really, um, that's really important. And then once you've got a few guys like that, it, it's all of a sudden like wildfire, right? Mm -hmm. And so when we first started, like with the guys in Houston, it was like, hey, will you come to this first class? And they said, 
uh, I mean, it's cool that you were a Navy SEAL and worked for, you know, these other places, but like, how does that really relate to being a cop? Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's a good point. <laughs> I, go, <laughs> I go, let me just send you the curriculum of what we're going to provide. And so it was like the first class we did, I'm like, here's the curriculum, you know, and they're like, that looks really cool. And it actually looks like it's something that we don't have. So I said, well, good. Send me your, send me your top two guys. Actually send me your guy that leads your department and then send me your top officer. And he did. And it was just from there, it's been to the point where now we actually have one of our analysts embedded with their task unit because we have such a good relationship with them. And they were putting every class that we'd run, they'd try and put guys through if we could, if they could get them in. And so as soon as they see the impact of that, they go from being skeptical as cops are to being like, you know, how can we get this now through COVID instead of bringing them all into the classroom and doing 25 at a time, maybe mm-hmm. we, we have classes where we're doing, you know, hundreds at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, now granted it's not the full scale class because it's, uh, it's not in person and we don't get to do all the interaction stuff Sandy was talking about, but they get the technology and the methodology training. And so oh. it, it, we, we have like backed up list of people waiting for that. So, wow. I mean, the, some of the perks of COVID right have expanded <laughs> some of our platforms, yeah. right? Cause right. we've had to, pivot, I'm going to use your word, Paula, (laughs) and figure out how to continue this education and stay in the fight, even with all of the things that COVID threw at us. Barriers. Uh, Yes, barriers. (laughs) So, Sandy, um, Jeremy said that you are an ambassador, a great ambassador, but I know you gave us your title. Right. Director of Strategic Impact. Director of Strategic (laughs) Impact. And you are the Director of Strategic Impact, possibly, I'm sure, because you are a survivor. That's part of the reason. That's part of the reason. You know, I've been in the space, in the justice movement since 2009, Mm -hmm. so I've seen a lot. I know a lot of the players. I know a lot of the landscape. And I have a big Rolodex of contacts. Um, But as a survivor, I do have an understanding of the, um, the trafficking world that even the best law enforcement agent who's participated in a lot of, of arrests and, and um, justice for traffickers is not going to have. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think because one of the questions that Carrie had asked earlier was about the are we like a rescue organization? And we really aren't. I don't think that there's a category we could be put in except for the one that we've made for ourselves, which is counter human trafficking. And when we're working with uh, specialists that are uh, elite professionals in counterterrorism, and they're using the same methodology to counter human trafficking, to, to build a case before the trafficking even happens in some cases, um, to prevent it from happening, um, we, we don't really kick down the doors, but sometimes we're invited to go with law enforcement while they're doing that work. Mm-hmm. And um, part, of, part of the job that I get to do is sometimes to be there to help um, talk to the victims that are recovered. Um, so that's a, that's a great opportunity to use the experience that I have uh, being trafficked to make a heart connection with a victim in the field and help to build a bridge to safety uh, where she can trust law enforcement and um, the law enforcement agent is easier uh, has an easier opportunity for rapport with her. Um, but I'm also building the, the Thrivers Department within our organization and with the Thrivers Department, if there are other survivors that want to use that same 
inside information like I do to inform investigations and, and dismantle human trafficking networks. Um, but we can also offer training for service providers uh, because we have experience working with different service providers and we've seen what works and we've seen what doesn't work. So we can help to train service providers not only to, to give better service and more comprehensive wraparound service to the victims, but also train those service providers how to talk to medical professionals mm-hmm. and how to talk to law enforcement agents and how to, to kind of speak that same language so that we're able to give better service to trafficking victims, so that we're able to deny more territory to traffickers, and we're able to, I have a vision, I'm an abolitionist, because I believe that we will end human trafficking in our time. We will see an end to it. That's why I get up out of bed every day. That's why I come to work every day, especially in the back page, the former back page offices. And I'm excited at the thought of a society that no longer puts a price tag on human beings, where where human beings, are, our daughters and sons, are not being sold as commodities any longer or traded or rented as body parts. But the, the true value of their humanity is realized, and um, I believe that that world is possible. It's a big job, and it's, it's not necessarily my job to do. I think it's a God-sized task, um, but I'm excited to be a part of it every day. And so um, as I'm building the Thrivers Department, we're giving opportunities to survivors to grow as professionals, and, and to, uh, we see them as emerging leaders that we can help to elevate them professionally uh, by partnering with them and equipping them. And just as myself going through the program, I'm the first, I guess I'm the first one, right? They've helped me grow. The, the team that I work with has helped me grow quite a bit and um, develop my professional skills and equipped me with tons of training and tools. And um, so the sky's the limit. And um, I think the Thrivers Department, as we grow it, is going to really be helpful and uh, instrumental to survivors having an opportunity to, to really do more than than they even dreamed possible. Your passion and your declarations make me smile. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, just the passion, the driven, like that we will end human trafficking, you know, and that's why we wake up. That's why we do this. That's why we continue this work is because you have to have hope that that's what we're doing. And that's belief that that's what we're doing. And we serve a God that's big enough to for the impossible and some days it probably feels impossible (laughs) you know um but I just I love everything you said and I don't know if this is an appropriate question so you can just let me know but I kind of want to get an idea in my head just kind of wrapping around maybe the listeners too is how many cases maybe approximately do you are you running per day or are you collecting enough evidence to be actionable like how frequent is that it kind of ebbs and flows a little bit. So when we first started the first year, I think we we really only maybe did like four or five operations just because like it was me trying to raise money and Nick was trying to do the operations. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Two-man and then, job. And then, and then now here we are six years later and it's, uh, it's pretty amazing because like literally um, in January, February, we did a, a massive thing around the Super Bowl um, we provided, again, more than 50 um, intelligence reports towards that. And I know there was a bunch of arrests that came out of that and victims that were rescued. And almost simultaneously, we were doing an operation in California um, with, uh, what is it, Operation Reclaim and Rebuild? 
And then at this, within a couple of days after that, we were doing something in Missouri. So we still have a pretty limited team, but so we were overworked on that, but almost three operations that were going on at the same time within just a couple week period of which, you know, hundreds of hundreds of cases were spun out of. Um, so I think like that's on like that maxed us out. Um, so we're kind of in this ebb and flow again, where we do that and then we focus on like running a training class, you know, and then we do some of the other things. So eventually we'll just be at that point where that kind of, um, tempo is just going nonstop all across the map. And at the same time, we have a fully built out training department that's training and, and equipping and doing all the other things at the same time. You know, Sandy's focused on her thrivers department, just doing what they do. So we were we're still so young in the um, in kind of the size and scope of what we do. I mean, I think we're working in more than a hundred law enforcement departments or agencies now, which is which is pretty cool. Awesome. So we have those relationships, and uh, but the like Sandy says the the vision of where we're going is uh, much much bigger than that. So we're excited to watch it grow and we're kind of hitting that what Nick would always call the that hockey stick you know where it all of a sudden starts to go up and things become exponential we're really at that point right now and it just a lot of it is just like you know any organization that's um, a nonprofit it's driven off of uh, the fuel that comes in from the the finances so I mean we're we're starting to see more success as we've had more success and and so it's just an exciting time to see especially having been around from the beginning and you know it's the stories I could tell you, you know, right. As you know, founding something like this and it just starts from zero and eventually you're seeing that real success. So. It's so neat. It's awesome. And I think to add to what Jeremy said, um, as far as numbers are concerned, we have a 100% effectiveness rate. Uh, Every case that we've partnered with law enforcement conviction rate, conviction rate. Sorry about that. So um, that means that there's triple digits now, well into the triple digits of cases that we were helping assist law enforcement. Mm-hmm. Now that trafficker is behind bars, whether they plea bargained because they couldn't fight the evidence or they were taken before a jury and found guilty, they are in prison now. So um, that's very satisfying to know that we are effective mm-hmm. and that we have, we have that effectiveness rate. So, um, and then... As we're building these cases and as we are gathering this intelligence, we have the ITAC as well, and that's game-changing technology as well. So we're building a database of all human trafficking information and intelligence in the United States that has international capabilities. Mm-hmm. So uh, while, you know, to, to put a number behind how many cases we might be building, well, maybe the information we're collecting today is going to be in a case tomorrow. So uh, we have a a huge database, and it's human curated. So it's the deepest data pool related to human trafficking, human curated, human validated data available. And once law enforcement is able to tap into that, um, it it can help to enhance their their cases as well. There's no question the cases will go up as the training is you know, out there, which is what needs to be the focus, right? right? Like both are focused, but we can't keep the job sustainable and keep getting the bad guys because we're going to call them bad guys. Um, 
unless they're equipped to do it. And I mean, as a educational nonprofit, we definitely understand just the value of that. Because if you don't know how to do it and you don't know how to do it right, Mm -hmm. you screw it up. (laughs) And you have the ability to possibly make a situation worse um, or not as safe. Um, So that's really awesome. I appreciate both of your responses on that. Sandy, I know you um, get excited or feel a certain level of, I can't even think of the word. Um, There's a reward with the work that you do, especially with getting the bad guys and rescuing, you know, uh, victims or whatever. Um, Can you describe or possibly... Maybe, and and this may be an appropriate question or not, but one of your most memorable um, experience with a a particular case or something like that. You know, before I came to work with the Liver Fund, um, some of the work I would do in outreach, I was able to go into um, strip clubs and brothels and go out onto the streets and and, um, really at that time, because I wasn't waving the Deliver Fund flag, I was out there you know, with a, a different leadership, I guess. I was calling myself a minister. I would just go and pray with the girls, give them an opportunity to talk to somebody who might be familiar with their experiences, and then I, I could offer to pray for them. And I could also be watching the situation and then turn in any information that I would get to a law enforcement agent um, that I had formed a relationship with. So um, there's been a lot of encounters that I've had uh, with girls who were being trafficked at the time, um, but none as rewarding (laughs) as being in the hotel room during a recovery while law enforcement is recovering a victim and being able to sit across the room from a girl who has no way to leave the situation she's in. She's hopeless and helpless and desperate and can't see a way out. And if I can sit across the, the room from her and tell her, I might be familiar with what you're experiencing and I found my way out and I I can help you find that way too. Or I know people who can help you to find that way out. Um, And then to know that she really does have the protection and she really does have the ability to see her trafficker uh, receive justice is just, it's not something I can even put words to. Mm -hmm. The feeling is um, overwhelming and I wish I could do it every day, but it's not physically possible. And um, I mean, I was on an operation with Deliver Fund for, I think I was there for 18 hours in the hotel room, completely jacked on adrenaline every moment the whole time, you know. Um, and it's it's amazing. But as, as great and rewarding as that is, the long-term solution is it happens behind a desk and looking into a computer screen probably is going to be more of the long-term solution. Um, and the relationships that I'm building with other survivors who maybe they did have that encounter as a victim in a hotel room, and now they're able to say, I have a healthy life. I'm on a pathway to success. I'm just trying to reach my goals. I, I want to grow. I want to. I want opportunities that are just out of my reach. Do you have maybe just a platform I can stand on. Can, can you coach me in the right direction and help me reach that goal that I'm stretching for? Um, that's, that's equally as rewarding as well. Mm-hmm. Wow, thank you. 
I know. That's awesome. I bet you're just on adrenaline. I can only imagine. <laughs> all day. Every day. We I'm also thinking drink about a like, lot of coffee at my office. A hey, lot. That's okay. Over here, too. I know. Mm-hmm. Love some coffee. Coffee is always great. Coffee is life. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I, I could feel your passion as you, you know, as you talk about this. And I think it's so important with any organization that is um, focused on human trafficking to definitely have someone who is familiar with it, but healthy enough to be able to um, communicate and work through those difficult situations with those survivors. Because to be able to look across the room, like you said, and give that person hope Mm -hmm. because you've been there. To be able to look across the room and them possibly looking at you as possibly a mirror or a reflection of what they could be mm-hmm. if, yeah. if they just make that step. Yeah, and sometimes the motivation, the motivation might be that they could reach the level that I've gotten to or, you know, what I, a lot of times when I share my story, if I ever really peel back the details of my story, a lot of people's uh, reaction is to compare their trauma that they've received. Oh, well, I heard your story and it was really sad and it, it really broke my heart. And I was also abused as a child, but it just wasn't as bad as what you went through. Or I was raped once, but I wasn't raped as many times as you were. So I would never imagine to know what you've been through. And I don't know if that's really, I think it's just a common response, but I don't know if it's the healthiest way to communicate with a victim of crime. I think that empathy is maybe a little better angle at it to say, um, I, I can't imagine what you've went through, but I've been through some hard things too. And you don't have to share your trauma with that person. I mean, just because I've been through trauma and I'm able to talk about it from a microphone or a stage doesn't mean I'm able to hear about your trauma. So if I get off the stage from sharing at an event with, with Deliver Fund, for example, and people want to come buy books from me at my book table, and then they want to tell me about the trauma that they've experienced. Well, I just went through a very traumatic experience myself, being on the stage and being transparent. And I don't have a a bucket to put your trauma in. I'm not a counselor. I'm not a therapist. And I don't have those coping skills. Um, So I I know that you're going to be talking, your, your audience that listens to your podcast are a lot of service providers and a lot of medical professionals and I, I, I kind of want to leave that um, for them to consider and ponder because part of our job when we're working with survivors is to protect them from further trauma. And um, I know you have survivors on your show too, and, and they're, they're being very vulnerable when they're sharing their stories. And, and, um, and when they're in the studio, they might even be laughing and joking and smiling with you, but then the next day or the next weekend or the next you know week, they might have a triggering event because of how open that they were communicating. So I think it's always important that we we keep that in mind when we're dealing with victims of crime, especially violent crimes and sexual crimes like trafficking. Um, But it's also very rewarding to be able to build a department with a culture um, of excellence that our team has and, and to be able to build a safe place with people from different races, with people of different genders, and professionals who are respectful and honoring, um, that's also rewarding. 
and and in all of my years in the movement, in the justice movement, it, it's been very rare, I would say, to find a place that's as safe as Deliver Fund mm-hmm. or Reclaim 611. <laughs> <laughs> well, coming from you who has experienced trafficking and to be in an organization where you feel that safety is says a lot. And I think that's really awesome. And I think it says so much about Deliver Fund that you have take like you have a your survivor informed you know i think a lot of every day whether they yeah. like it or not she keeps us informed that's no doubt and hey why wouldn't i feel safe uh, i have a navy seal that, that is literally watching over me every day so i keep thinking every time we keep talking i'm like i just don't want to forget to thank you for your service though oh, jeremy and your nice. and your team I mean, the fact that, I mean, you guys are an elite group of people and that this is what you've chosen to do. And I just want to thank you for that because it's amazing. And you deserve a lot of um, uh, challenge challenge coins. coins. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Paula, what else you got, girl? Do I have anything else? I don't know. You looked kind of like you were pondering, so I didn't know. No, I was still pondering what she said. And especially the message to service providers. That's yeah. that that kind of stuck. Mm-hmm. Like, and definitely when you said that when a person shares their trauma, it's not okay for you to come and say, "Oh, well, I experienced this." May not be as bad as yours, but mm-hmm. you know, with empathy, you allow that person to experience what they experienced as uncomfortable as it makes you mm-hmm. because part of having empathy is allowing yourself to be uncomfortable with what you hear, but being present enough mm-hmm. to, to, to just be there. So it, it may be uncomfortable for me to hear you say, this is what happened to me. This is what happened to me. It is not my responsibility for me to say, yeah, and this happened to me too. Mm-hmm. No, it, it, I'm to sit there and, be there, be present, and as uncomfortable as I may be, just be there. Well, if you heard somebody tell you they had cancer, you wouldn't say, oh, well, that's a horrible thing. I can't imagine what you've been through. Now, I've had I've had the flu, and that was bad. I was right. sick. Oh, I can hardly get out of bed. But, but your cancer, I just can't compare. And I think that, I mean, these are, we're breaking barriers just by having this conversation, right? I mean, we're giving people a new way to look at something, a new lens to look through. And I just want to be healthy. I just want to have a healthy life. I want to be able to go to work, do my job, do it well, have healthy relationships, and leave something good in this world, and and hopefully inspire other people and educate them, empower them with some tools so that they can change the society around us that is producing products from people. I mean, there are children being sold for sex on the streets of the city that we are taping this podcast in and, and probably every city it's being heard in. Mm-hmm. That's an issue. Mm-hmm. If, if we're going to be really on the front lines of that battle and fighting that battle, we have to have a healthy life. Mm-hmm. And part of my healthy life is uh, surrounding myself with people that are going to partner with me moving forward and walking forward, not not partner their trauma with my trauma. You know what mm, I mean? That's good. So, um, so that's as good. you're building these relationships as a service provider and as, as a medical professional, as y'all are building these relationships with these, these amazingly resilient, talented, brilliant survivors, 
who have overcome so much already. I mean, what they've lived through, we can't imagine, right? Right. The, the sky's the limit for somebody who's lived through something like that. <laughs> They're still Great. alive because they have a purpose. Great. They have a reason to be on this earth. And so as y'all get to partner with them to watch their healing journeys, and uh, you're the coaches to get them you know, through those processes, I just want to encourage you that um, they're seeing hope in your eyes. They're seeing hope from your life. They're, they're looking at your marriage, your healthy marriage, and all those happy kids saying, that's a goal I have. Most you of know? the time they're crying. <laughs> they're, <Just kidding. laughs> they're listening to that smooth radio voice, and they're saying, oh, I wish I could get in front of a microphone like that and talk on the radio. I mean, y'all are inspiring and motivating as well, so be encouraged. Thank, Thank you so you. much. You're so encouraging. Yeah. I miss you, friend. I miss you, too. <laughs> we need to talk I more. I got a baby to hold. <laughs> That's I think. right. That's right. That's right. Well, we thank you guys for coming on and sharing the information with us. And I'm going to say something off the air, not on the air. I'm going to say something off the air. Um, but we thank you all for joining us. And can you let the listeners know how they can find out more information about Deliver Fund? Yeah, we, we're on all the social media stuff. I, I think that um, between LinkedIn and Instagram are probably our two biggest things that we push stuff out on. And um, one of our one of our employees, Kara, we call her Kara the Huntress. So she's actually has an Instagram called Kara the Huntress. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> there's a lot of really good material that she puts out. I know there's like some 30-minute segments of what human trafficking is, what it's not, like how to inform parents, what to be careful of, and all that stuff. So I I really recommend that as well. Um, and then, is yeah, that Kara so. with a C or with a K? With a K. Okay. Hunting with the Huntress. And okay. then we're at deliverfund.org. We have other websites for our law enforcement partners and our commercial partners, but the what we want to get to your listeners is Deliver Fund. It's all one word, dot org. Got it. Thank you. Thank you again so much for taking out the time, and thank you for your service mm -hmm. and what thank you have done for us. Um, Carrie, can you let the listeners know how they can contact us? Yes, you can email us at support at reclaim611.org. Or you can check out our website at www.reclaim611.org. All right, guys. And until next time, don't forget to step into the fight. Bye-bye. Bye. Step into the fight.